Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tattletown Sports Podcast special uh, Memorial Day vacation edition. We are your hosts. My name is Craig. I'm Melissa. Hey, Melissa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty freaking good. Where are you at? Well, I'm back at my house. We bailed out on vacation early. Where are you at? Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, I am down in beautiful Sea Isle, New Jersey. Ooh, sounds right now. sounds fancy. Hanging by the beach, I am yet again uh, deep in uh, Philadelphia Eagles fan territory, <laughs> getting chirped at, at on average uh, six and a half times a day about but, the Super Bowl. What are you just uh, walking around wearing a Patriots ago. jersey? Like why? Are, or is it your nope, fa- nope. your girlfriend's just family's fi- chirping at you? Just the girlfriend's family for the most okay. part. <laughs> Uh, yep, yep, that is still a thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not, they're not letting you live that that terrible loss down. <laughs> yeah, no, they are being pretty kind. Uh, they're they're no they're no fans of LeBron, so they're being pretty kind about uh, oh, see? last night's yeah. Celtics loss. That's unity, something we can all agree on. Something we can all get behind is, uh, yeah, wanting to wanting LeBron James to lose, but he doesn't ever seem to do that. So he sure doesn't. Do? It's really annoying. But we can talk more about that later. You want to uh, jump into some kind of around the horn stuff? Talk about what's been going yeah, on sure. with our Let's local teams. Let's get caught up so we can. Uh, yeah, I gotta. Yeah, I gotta get my brain back in. In uh, gotta dry out a bit and get back <laughs> into uh, news mode. Uh, do you want to start or should I? Um, I'll give it a start. All right, fire uh, I'm gonna, away. I'm going to start by talking about the Red Sox. Uh, the Red Sox took two out of three against the Rays at home this past week, as well as two out of three against the Braves. Just nice to keep winning series, which is what you need in Major League Baseball. Uh, the Sox mm-hmm. are still in first place in the AL East, being led by Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez, who are both in the top three in MLB and home runs. Pretty incredible power we've seen out of them. The Red Sox offense is carrying the team, and they're either in first or second place in in all of baseball in team hits, runs, home runs, and batting average. Um, and apparently the Sox are feeling pretty good about their power production because in an unexpected move this week, the Sox also designated Hanley Ramirez for assignment, and he will be put on waivers for another team to claim. Mm-hmm. I, it, that was an incredible story this week. Didn't even get dropped in the lineup before he just got DFA'd. But. Yeah, I was I was definitely caught off guard by that. Yeah. Uh, uh, over in, uh, Bruins slash hockey land, really nothing going on for the Bruins this week. Uh, but the NHL conference finals, uh, have been decided and your Stanley cup, uh, finals are going to be the Washington capitals and the Las Vegas golden Knights, Woo. uh, caps. I think this is their, what is it? Their first cup since like 98 yeah. or something like that. Oh, um, easily. And, and they, yeah, they beat Tampa Bay in seven games. Uh, and Tampa looked competitive throughout the series, but you know, from a Bruins perspective, not great to see the team that just stepped on your face uh, <laughs> lose to the Capitals in seven games. And if the Capitals then turn around and lose to the Knights, then it's going to look even worse. Uh, so that's all there is there. That's all there is going on there. And Bruins land is just hoping for uh victory. Feel good victories in the rest of the NHL. Playoffs. A, a moral victory, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, the Patriots Patriots off season program is continuing without Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Bobby Kraft spoke to the media on this topic and relayed that Tom Brady is really excited about attending the upcoming mandatory mini camp. I think he actually used the term very excited, but same. Uh, Brady, however, was in Monaco for the Grand Prix this weekend, uh, while the team continues to hold OTAs again without him. Um, but we can talk in more America. about that. In America. Yeah. In, in Foxborough, in fact. Uh, we can talk more about that later. 
finally, we have our Boston Celtics dearly departed. Uh, uh, so sad. Celtics I feel like we need game. to drop taps in right here. Um, so when we talked to you all last, uh, that was in the, in the hours before game five, the Celtics won that game at home, lost in Cleveland for game six and ultimately fell to LeBron and the Cavs in game seven last night, Sunday night at home at the garden. Uh, LeBron James played the entire game, uh, and ended up with 35 points, 15 rebounds and nine assists. Former Celtic and total suckbag basketball player Jeff Green <laughs> uh, scored 19 for the Cavs. Uh, and on the Celtic side, Jason Tatum had 24 points um, and generally just looked like a stud and looked like he was, you know, in in comfortable in the in the moment. Uh, but he was basically the only one where the rest of the team seemed a little tight. Uh, most notably the combination of Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown chucked up 36 three pointers and made three of them. One of which was a Jalen Brown three pointer in garbage time with like 20 seconds left. So I'm calling it two for 35 throughout the whole game from those three brutal. It was brutal. That was exactly the word I was going to use. It's just, you know, hard to watch, hard to listen to just, I found myself, you know, we were actually driving and I was telling you before we were listening on the radio and I found myself just screaming at the radio to like, stop, stop taking a three, just drive to the basket. Stop taking a three. Like you're already in the bonus. You're going to get free throw shots. If they try to defend you that hard, what are you doing? Yeah. I, it, 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 it was infuriating it, to listen to. And it was frustrating too. Cause they had, there was a couple things that early on were clearly working. One of which was just give the ball to Jason Tatum. That was clearly an effective strategy. Uh, and the other one was any, it felt like any time that they gave the ball to Al Horford, like down low, he was coming away with either a dunk or an easy layup or a foul. Like he, like yeah. that was something that was happening for them all night. And Jalen Brown, I think was the worst defender, but I guess Terry Rozier ended up with more attempts, but like the, it was just Chuck and pray. Like that was the whole, like it, it felt it was, it was a little, it was very unCeltic. Like they felt a little, sped up a little scattered and it was like they were treating it felt like the whole second half of that game like it was the last 30 seconds and they needed to just chuck up a prayer right um to win and it obviously did not end up working out for them yes yeah, so certain, let me oh go, oh go ahead no go ahead. no i was just gonna say yeah that's exactly how it felt like they didn't know what they were doing and they were just running out there trying to play from behind is almost how it felt the whole time like they were down 30 right. points and they were actually ahead the the first half of the game, like you were controlling the game. You were controlling the tempo. People were making shots. You were playing good defense. And then I, I don't know what happened come that third and fourth quarter. Yeah. It felt like they just got a little tight. Uh, yeah. and the, and in the decision-making got felt, felt poor. Um, so here's a question for you, Melissa. Yeah. We, uh, we talked a lot over the last couple of weeks about like expectations generally for the team. And now we, the season has concluded you lose in seven games to LeBron and the Cavs. How do you feel about, you know, try to, if you can, separate yourself from the uh, emotion of last night uh, or don't, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you feel? Do you think this was achieved expectations, exceeded your expectations? Do you think they should have won this series? Do you think they should have won the game? Talk to me. I think when I look at it as like a general retrospective on the season, they exceeded expectations, particularly once Hayward went down and then Kyrie went out before the playoffs. You were like, okay, and I've since, since the Phillies, I said since the Philly series that mm -hmm. they, they were playing on house money and like, great. 
you know, what I feel about last night's game, though, is I, I'm a little disappointed because it's not like LeBron came in and just blew the doors off the place. And you're like, OK, LeBron took the game and like you you weren't going to win. There was just no chance. They were up again in the first half. And, and so when you get there and you're seeing that and you're like, oh, man, like they have a chance. They've been playing great at home. The crowd's behind them. Like the game is the most competitive out of any that we had seen in that series. Oh, by a mile. But like, you know, they were coming out on top and they were making the plays they needed to make. And so the end of the game, I think, was a little disappointing. Um, But you wonder, like, they're a young team. Were they just tired and were some of them a little overwhelmed by the moment and playing against LeBron? And it it just kind of got away from them, I think. And it's unfortunate Mm -hmm. that it, it happened in game seven of the Eastern conference finals. But I think, you know, when you can step back from the emotion of last night and kind of look forward, you, you have to be excited for where this team went and what that's going to mean for next year. Yeah, abs- I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> and it's like a lot, you know, like you said, the, the whole house money thing, like a lot of people felt that last round. I certainly felt that in this round. And, you know, although last night felt like a winnable game like if you just look at game seven in a vacuum it it if they just had a better night shooting like you know if if three more three-pointers fall you know what i mean like not yeah. even it doesn't even have to be drastically different just a couple more of those wind up going in then you've yeah. got a, a different a different game but even that aside like you can't i i just feel like if you're a reasonable observer of the league like you can't be that jammed up if you lose to LeBron games in a, in a winner take all one game, you know, playoff. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm actually more disappointed. I'm less disappointed about last night and more disappointed in the fact that they weren't able to even come particularly close to taking a game on the road against Cleveland, you know, between games three, four and six, it was that they just got their doors blown off. And like, I, 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 I think those would have been more valuable than game seven. Cause uh, like, you know, LeBron can't play all 48 minutes of a basketball game every single night. He can do it for one night, though. Like, on any given night that LeBron cares about, he can beat you single-handedly, you know? And last night, he didn't He didn't have that many points, but, like, he, uh, he was... I'm surprised he didn't have 10,000 assists, honestly. Like, I felt like he was he was affecting every play. Like, his, his stat sheet, like, was sort of, for him, kind of normal. 35 points, I think it yeah. was, like, 9 assists, 14 rebounds, something like that. Like very good, nearly a triple double, but like for LeBron's standards, like nothing crazy, but he was like, he was a part of every single aspect of their game. He, he, he ran the, ran the team. Yeah. And he actually played some defense last night, which is oh god, yeah, something totally. that he gets dogged for a lot is that, you know, he kind of hangs out on the far end of the court and he just watches the, the defensive play kind of shake out, but he was actually out there and he was like stuffing balls back into people's faces and I was like okay (laughs) I see yeah yeah and I mean like that's the thing it's like when you when you when you can't win on the road and it comes down to a game seven like LeBron like you know I I I picked the Celtics last night so I was underestimating his ability to like flip the switch and like just take over um and again he didn't just take over with scoring individually but like just every element of the game he was in on in fact the whole first half Basically, the Celtics were in control because they would essentially double LeBron 
which would leave some Cavalier wide ass open and LeBron would hit them and they just weren't making those shots. Like that was the story of the first half was like, what Cavalier is going to make a shot? There was a point in this, in the first half where the entire supporting cast had made two shots in the first half. Tristan Thompson made one, and I think J.R. Smith had another. And the entirety of the rest of the Cavaliers scoring was LeBron. Well, like, and whoa. Isn't that the way you have to play Cleveland, though? Because, like, he is playing with a trash lineup around him. And especially once it, Kevin Love really went out. It really is a like, bunch of nobodies, You for sure. walk into that arena. You've been crushing people at home. No Kevin Love. Like, you should have been able to double up LeBron the entire night and just, all right, see what you got. Like, they would have put up 48 points if you could have done that. <laughs> consistently yeah. like if you could held that and then made your shots right and that's the thing is like it, their defensive strategy i actually don't mind at all it's double lebron and force him to pass and once right. the ball's out of his hands you'll you'll take that at any day you know like if lebron is forced to to pass a lot then you're doing a good thing on defense because if you don't double him he's just going to eat your lunch and like that's it but like if, if, if you're living and dying by, you know, I'll take the odds that on any given night, Jeff Green is not going to make all those shots that he makes. Right. Jeff Green sucks. He didn't suck last <laughs> night, but on balance, <laughs> he does. So like defensive strategy wise, I, I'm actually fine, but they just could not. They couldn't put the ball in the ocean last night. It was brutal. That's I, I literally heard one of the announcers say that on the broadcast I was listening to. And that's bad when like the neutral yeah. sports announcer is like, Celtics <laughs> yeah. keep putting up those threes. They can't even find their way into the ocean right now. And I was like, it's, enough. <laughs> it was bad. I mean, it was like, it, it, I felt like there was at least three players on the, on the Celtics who all wanted to be the hero. And I felt like every time they had the ball, mm. they wanted to be the, like the, you know, crowd goes wild, uh, big time three pointer, like put the dagger in, like on every single possession. It was like, boys, just like it's your, just relax, like stop trying to be a right. hero and just play team, the game. Team basketball, like pass the ball, give it to the guy that's got the shot. Who has the hot hand? It's not Rozier, by the way. Like pick somebody else. Oh, for ten from three. Ten. He took ten threes and missed <laughs> all of them. This is right. like scary Terry. The guy's on everyone's t-shirts. Like who, you know, what's actually kind of good about that though. Anybody, any of these fools that were advocating that because Terry Rozier is like apparently good, we should trade Kyrie and keep Terry Rozier. Yeah. After no. last night, see you later. Whatever tiny percent of Celtics fandom was advocating for that dumbass move can just yeah. like be quiet today. Finally. Any of those morons. So annoying. And, uh, that's it for the basketball season, I guess. Yeah, we're saying goodbye to the Celtics. And honestly, I think as you know, people are able to look back and reflect, like they're going to be pumped for what the future holds. Like those guys are young. You know, LeBron even gave a nice compliment to Jason Tatum last night saying that he's like the mm. future star. You know, and I think the Celtics really have a lot going for them and you have to just be excited with like where they're going to be next season and for me, you know, who basketball is certainly not like a number one sport for me but I'm going to be more interested in, in what they do next year and how those kids continue oh God, to develop yeah. and play together and, you know, what it's going to mean for them to have Kyrie and Hayward back. That, it'd be exciting. Yeah, and the silver lining it, it has been pretty clear all year from the Hayward injury and then uh, later on the Kyrie injury. It's like the silver lining has been these kids are got much this year, much more playing time than they ever would have yeah. with, a, with a healthy, you know, with the full squad healthy. And like, just think about how much better they're going to appear to be 
in how much more successful they'll be on a team with two all-stars, Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving, when, right. you know, who's Jason Tatum going to be pulling now defensively? Like their third, fourth best defender. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. When Jason Tatum is your first option, you can get to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. If, if Jason Tatum is your third best scoring option, then like who the fuck knows? You know, I, I was I, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine. He was thinking about it this way. And what he said was like, picture, like pretend like Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward aren't members of the Celtics right now. But like this offseason, they signed them both. Like how psyched you would be like, you know, pretend like right. this team that we saw on Sunday night was just the team, no injuries. Like that was just who they were. And then this offseason, they signed Kyrie and signed Gordon Hayward. Like, how fucking fired up would you be if that happened? Yeah. Like, that's basically that's basically the deal. It's like we're adding two all-stars in the offseason who just happened to already be on right. the roster. Right. Which any other team would be, like, g- going over the moon for. Like, totally. fans freaking out, just signed, sealed, and delivered. And you're likely going to get to play in an Eastern Conference that doesn't have LeBron James in it anymore. Well, down here in Eagles country, there is a strong consensus that LeBron's coming to Philly. Well, up here in Boston, we call that wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If I, if you were LeBron, would you want to stay in the East? Like, Yeah, of course. I, no, I, you should want to. But he's a maniac. Who knows what he wants to do? You don't, you don't think he's gonna? I, I think he might not. He's a crazy person. Yeah, but he likes to win. Yeah, but I think he is such an egomaniac that he thinks he can win anywhere. And he would think that with the right supporting cast, he can beat Golden State. And he it doesn't matter to him. And he'll go join a team like the Rockets. I'm not saying he's going right. to join yeah, like a I mean, scrub guess, team. Yeah, I suppose either way, he's going to have to, you know, East or West, East or West he's going to have to go through Right, you have to come Golden up against State them eventually. For the foreseeable future, whether it's in the Western Conference Finals or the or the... NBA finals. So I guess it doesn't really matter, but I wonder LeBron, someone who's like, you know, he's known to be like someone who is very sort of like reverential of like past, past players and the history of the game and stuff like that. I wonder if he would almost rather not keep getting to the finals and losing to golden state. Cause like he's coming up, he's coming up on like the record, the NBA record for like most finals lost. Oh, yeah, like he'd, he he'd probably rather s- get out in the Western Conference Finals than keep making it to yeah. the finals. I wonder if in the back of his mind that record or that just notion, because he's lost, I think he's lost to San Antonio twice, the Mavericks once, uh, and now Golden State twice. So that's five finals losses wow. that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, and he's won three? Yeah, two with Miami and one with the Cavs, I believe. Yeah, last uh, um, two years ago. I yeah, don't know. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean... That's not great. And if I guess if I were him, I could be convinced that losing in the conference finals and not going to the finals, you know, if you're going to have to run up against Golden State anyways, could be potentially better. I don't know. I guess it depends what the what the record is for losing in the conference finals. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm not one of those people that like looks at like, you know, you always hear this about like Tom Brady and Joe Montana, like Montana was four and oh in Super Bowls and Brady's uh, five and three. Yeah, like. I'm not one of these people that looks at those three Super Bowl losses and like think of that as a failure. Like getting to the finals in your league right. is not a failure. I, like I, I don't look at those five lost finals as uh, on LeBron's resume and say, "Oh, that guy sucked." Like that's right. ridiculous to me. But I guess some he people made do. it to more finals than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. So, totally. Like I'm if the you're same just way. perennially I don't, I don't there, hold that like, against that's people. That's not a bad thing. Right. Totally. 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 Um, so yeah, I mean, the the power dynamic is going to shift quite a bit if he does stay in the East. 
it does. I, I like. I don't think it really changes all that much this year because he's going to go to a team that's better than the Cavs are right now, right? Yeah. Like he's not. He's not going to take a step back. He's definitely going to take a step forward, and the Celtics are going to take a step forward as well. So, I mean, if he goes to the West, the the Celtics could basically fucking cartwheel to the NBA Finals next year. So that would be cool. Um, yeah, I but mean, if he stays only... in the East. The power dynamic basically stays the same. Celtics, right. Cavs, essentially. Do, it, it, well, and then it depends or what Celtics team LeBron, he's playing for. Right? Celtics, yeah, yeah, LeBron. Yeah, Celtics, that, LeBron. And it was funny because, yeah. like, that was exactly how I feel like the game last night was built. Like, this series is the Celtics versus LeBron, <laughs> not the Celtics yeah, versus the Cavs. Pretty much. Pretty much. But it's time to put that season to bed and get excited for uh, next year. Yep, sure is. So uh, another big sort of headline that happened this week, other than the uh, annoyance of Tom Brady not being at OTAs, was uh, the Red Sox. Uh, they didn't cut him, but they I guess they sort of just released, like the closest thing you can do in Major League Baseball to releasing someone uh, designated for assignment, uh, Hanley Ramirez. Fan favorite Hanley Ramirez, kind of out of left field, very out of left field, actually. Um, you got any you got any takes on that, Clarkie? Yeah, I'm, I was just shocked. I think that oftentimes, you know, I can understand rationally why they did it. They didn't want to pay him for next year. And there was a clause in his contract that if he got to so many at-bats this year, his contract was automatically picked up for next year. But you weren't anywhere near there yet. The number was like around And it was a huge number. It was like 20, 22 million next oh, year or yeah, something. It, it was some massive, yeah. yeah. They were definitely sitting him and getting rid of him before that. But, and he's been kind of cold as of late. I was I was just surprised because typically when a guy's getting close to being DFA'd, you see some things happen. You see him sit on the bench for a couple days. You see him get dropped in the lineup a little bit. You, you know, he's got a couple more off days. Maybe he just comes in for mm-hmm. some some pinch hitting assignments and like none of that happened. He went from being your number 3 hitter on you know, we talked about kind of in our opening takes them being the most productive offense in the major league. And he went yeah. from being the number three hitter on that team to being DFA out of nowhere. Yeah, it was. I mean, it definitely, definitely came out of left field. What was your um? You were saying something before we hit record about what Dombrowski had to say about it. Oh yeah, yeah. When he at the press conference, he was saying that obviously t- the thing that precipitated this move is that they had to make room for Dustin Pedroia coming back from mm-hmm. from his injury, and you know they were leaning one way. Uh, Swihart had been asking for a trade. There's always some like bullpen guys you could probably move around with, but he had a conversation with Alex Cora and Cora was the one that actually suggested Hanley, um, and had a well thought out bunch of reasons for why. So Dombrowski essentially like took the recommendation of the manager and that's the move that they made. And I was like, Whoa, wow. Hmm. You know, I think cup half full way of looking at it is like, wow, great teamwork between them. Like, Cora knows his team better, knows his players, understands maybe what his locker room needs um, and, and how he thinks, he, you know, what, how Hanley's going to react to being benched or dropped in the lineup and is like, it's not worth it. And it, we're not going to get the production we need out of him. Why, why waste somebody else? Like why make two moves? Uh, but the more pessimistic side of me says like, way to go Dombrowski. So now if it, you know, bite you in the ass. You're like, well, it was Cora's decision, really. Yeah, I feel like that's just covering, like, because there's no way Dombrowski's going to say in a press conference, like, yeah, we didn't want to pay him next year, like, so right. we had to let him go, you know? And I think Hanley is 
exactly the opposite type of player from someone who could just be benched, you know, uh, <laughs> or agreed. like, or like limit his at bats. I mean, that would also be a shitty thing to do for a team to just limit his at bats. So he doesn't hit that number. I mean, I don't know what player would be cool with that. Right. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I feel like the big elephant in the room reason they got rid of him is because they don't want to pay him next year. And so then Dombrowski sort of, I feel like now he has, he has to come up with some baseball related rationale to, you know, to, to justify letting him go. And so I guess he's conferred with Cora a little bit. Right. So do you feel, you know, we read all those power stats off the, uh, off the top there. Like, do you, are you concerned at all? Do you think that like, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I look at the last couple years in the playoffs yeah. and just see how a team that, could hit. I mean, they weren't like as big of a power juggernaut last year, certainly as they are this year, but they were able to hit and win last year and they got the bats shoved up their asses. Uh, and like, I just, my immediate concern is like Hanley Ramirez is one of the few people on this roster who is a proven playoff performer. His, I, I was looking into this a little bit and his batting average last year in the playoffs was like 517 his career batting average in the playoffs is like 380 like Hanley's legit when he wants to be a, a LeBron-esque yeah. uh, <laughs> sort of mentality where when the games matter like he definitely like shows up right um so my immediate concern is like man they must be feeling pretty good about their power because if they get you know shut down in the playoffs again this is going to look like a bad move oh that would be Brutal. Yeah, I, I guess what you know, they're probably looking at it as like, well, he's not going to be there for the playoffs regardless um, because he, he's gonna not gonna, they're not going to let him hit those 500 at bat so they don't have to pay him for next year. So now is the time, I guess, you had to make a move. But I agree, like, he could be Mr. October when you needed someone to carry you through. And the playoffs ha have been kind of an Achilles heel for the Red Sox recently like they've made it they won the AL East last year and were swept out of the first round and like that's just embarrassing they can't do that again this year they need to perform better they're already starting to lose their fan base a little bit um, and I think if you have another season that ends that way you're just going to continue to fall behind the other three teams that are continually improving getting better and winning at a higher level than you yeah. And like, are we, I had been under the impression that the Red Sox were trying to win a world series. Like <laughs> when, when you like, seriously, like they signed Chris sale last off season, they get JD Martinez cause they need power. Like yeah. they appear to be in like, let's win now mode. Right. Yeah. Like th they're not, they're not just playing. They're not just going out there for fun. Like we're, we're trying to win a world series. Right. Like that's correct. We're all, we all David agree on the goal here. Yeah. So like, the fact that they would get rid of Hanley and it's a purely like financial decision to me is a, I'm annoyed by that. Cause I think you do get worse. Like your lineup just got worse. Like nobody can tell me that it's like addition by subtraction. You know, it, it, I'm not saying Haley does Hanley doesn't have the capacity to be a big locker room problem, but like, I don't think that that's going on right now. No. And like, so, so like, I think it's pretty fair to say that like the lineup just got worse this week. And like, I just don't, I, that just rubs me the wrong way that like, it, it, if we are in fact trying to vie for a world series title, then like, why would you make your off season? Uh, why would you make your lineup worse mid season just to like save some cash? Like you signed the guy to this contract. Like what the fuck? Yeah. The, the Red Sox though are kind of notorious with like letting these bad contracts go on too long to the point that I think they're paying something like $45 million in contracts for people that aren't on the team this year. 
Oh God, yeah. Like uh, they're uh, what's his Panda, face? Alan Craig, and yeah. Pablo Sandoval, and all these. Guys. Yeah, a lot of that was Sharrington stuff, though. I sure. had thought that Dombrowski was the like, let's fucking win some championships kind of guy. Yeah, but I'm sure if you're the owner of the Red Sox and like. Ticket sales are probably a little bit down. Like it's a bad time of year for baseball. It's been cold and rainy and the Celtics are hot and the Bruins were played late into the postseason. You know, it's like you're not the biggest team in town. You can't afford to keep $60 million of payroll. That's more payroll than like some of the dirtbag teams in this league on their active oh, roster. It, like totally. it, there comes a tipping point where you have to also get the financials a little more under control than I think they've been yeah. under previous administrations. I guess so. But then, but then I'm back to like, we like, why not trade them in the off season? Like, right. you just like let them walk, you know, like if you don't want them, that's fine. This is sort of like a, it's like almost like a Garoppolo type situation. It's like, if you're going to get rid of them, get rid of them, but at least get something for them, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they tried. I, I just, I just worry about, yeah, maybe. I mean, that's a sh- hell of a contract. There's only a few teams in the league that could really right. take that on. Um, so yeah, maybe you're right. But I, I just, I just, I hope, I hope what they think is going to happen in the postseason does actually happen in the I postseason. Because if they, if their bats go cold again, it's going to be like, because I mean, I was, I was a little taken aback when I heard those. I heard it on the radio this week. Those Hanley postseason numbers. I was like, oh shit! I didn't realize because I mean, because the, the team overall was was virtually piss poor, hitless. Yeah. Um, last off season or last postseason rather, but I didn't realize Hanley hit fucking five hundred in that series. Like that's pretty epic. Yeah, he was the only one getting anything done. Yeah, for oh, sure. no, literally, he was the only one. Yeah, yeah. So hope it works out. But I don't know. We'll see what I'm, happens. And I'm no like big Hanley fan necessarily, but like. I'm, I wasn't thrilled to hear that they got rid of him. It'll be a real kick in the teeth if he goes and signs with another competitor, though, and just sticks it to you in October. Oh my God! Yeah, what if fucking the Indians pick him up or yeah. something? Like you've you've got uh, you've got some some competition in the AL for sure, right? Between Houston and the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees won't get him. That would be absurd. Oh my God! Imagine that. Uh, that would um, just be. <laughs> I'd be, be so insane. angry if that happened. I can't we imagine can't that talk happening. About that that would be yeah. too much. That would be too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could see, I could see the, the Cleveland sniffing around, yeah. maybe even Houston, who knows? Yeah. They both could use a little more firepower in the middle of their offense. So see what they do. Well, anyway, cool. So long Hanley. Bye. Love you. Mean it. <laughs> you know, what's really annoying is listening to people on the radio, calling it and t- calling him Manny. Oh, accidentally call- I yeah. almost called him Haley there for a second, <laughs> but I think that's an understandable <laughs> mistake. I heard it more than once and I was like, Jesus people. Come on. It's been like 10 years. Exactly. They just have the same last name. That's whatever. (laughs) An incredibly common uh, last name for a Hispanic person. Me and my husband have the same last name too. No one mixes up our first names. Like (laughs) (laughs) anyway, good point. Good point. (laughs) Um, all right, hey, you want to uh, you want to get into some of the lightning round stuff? I do. All right, we got a lot to cover here. I know. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? You go ahead. Yeah, I want to ask you this hockey question. All right, lightning round time. Ready? I'm locked in. Perfect. The NHL finals are officially set. The breaking news doesn't include the Bruins, uh, and it's Ovechkin and the Capitals versus the expansion Golden Knights. Who are you pulling? Mm. Who are you pulling for? And who do you think the NHL wants? I personally am pulling for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Mostly because 
I mean, I don't really care about them winning. I would like to see them like complete the the sweetheart, you know, uh, miraculous postseason run. But even if they lose, it like they still have that narrative, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, this gets back to a previous conversation about you know getting to a finals and losing is not a failed season, right? Um, certainly not for a first year expansion team. I think the NHL wants the Caps though. I yeah. think Alex Ovechkin being one of their like marquee players for the last like decade or more, like having never even got to a Cup Finals, oh, like brutal. Th- it, it would definitely be better for the NHL for Ovechkin to get a get a cup. But that's exactly the reason that I don't want. To it, I love Alex Ovechkin, but like I don't. I like I like it when in sports, like loser teams stay loser teams and winner teams stay winner teams. Yeah. You know, like I want the Caps to lose because they've always lost, and I just want that to continue. You like that snake bit team? Yeah, I I I, I enjoy that in sports when when the when the franchises seem to just never be able to figure it out. <laughs> I a hundred percent agree. Speaking of not being able to figure it out, oh my god! Uh, the National Football League this week announced that they are changing the rules around uh, national anthem protocol for their players for the upcoming season. Basically, the players are required to be on the field. Uh, oh, they're not required, rather, to be on the field. They can elect to stay in the locker room during the anthem. But if they are on the field and they don't stand, their team will be fined. So my question to you, Melissa, is this a step in any direction for the NFL? Is anybody satisfied by this move or are they just, I don't know. It's a step in the wrong direction. It, what are you doing? I actually feel like they're recalling attention to something that had kind of faded out of the spotlight a little bit. And they're just bowing to a pressure that at the end of the day, I I don't feel like is really there. And I get that there are people in their fan base that are dissatisfied with players kneeling. There are also a lot of members of their fan base that are fine and happy with players kneeling. And the problem is the only people that ever voice their opinion are the people that are unhappy with something. And it's, it's just the way of the world. Right. And it's like your, your car stops working a million of that same car have been sold. You're going to go online and write, my car's a piece of shit and I hate it. The other 999,000 people are not going to be like, everything's going fine with me. It looks good. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, you're just making a move that is like calling attention back to something that, you know, I think we could have just all moved on from at this point and let the players celebrate the anthem in any way that they choose. If they're not being disrespectful and causing a ruckus, I, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, it's definitely at least needless, you know, shifting of verbiage as it relates to this rule. And like now this story that I can't imagine the NFL is happy that to have it as their headline, as a national headline is like back in the news. And it's like, I, I feel like they went from one gray rule where the previous rule was worded and it said that players should stand for the anthem. Right. And now they have just another gray rule, which is like, you don't have to be there, but if you're going to be there, you have to stand. And if you don't stand, your team, like not even the individual will be fined, the team will be fined. So that kind of makes it a gray area. Some of the owners have even already come out and said, like, if they get fined, we are going to cover it. Right, they it's don't just care. This weird, it's this whole weird thing. That's why I asked the question, Do they? is it a step in any direction? Like, no. I don't think either side of this debate is even satisfied by this. All I know is that we're all talking about it again, which is bad for the NFL. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And they're just like drawing attention to it over and over again. And I'm curious to see how it plays out on week one. Are there whole teams that stay in the locker room? And for for me, that almost feels more disrespectful to the anthem than kneeling peacefully and quietly on the sideline. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't it's know. A, it's a, bizarre. A clusterfuck. So, you know, like the way it works now, they do the introductions, they play the songs, the teams come running out. Like, what if you have a whole, whole team not elect to do that? Yeah, then you've they just, just created a bigger anthem. Yeah, so do they do it and then go back to the locker room? Do they just stay? They don't come out. Like crazy train plays in Foxborough, and nobody comes running out of the tunnel. I don't. That's so weird. <laughs> or or they come out, and then when it's anthem time, they go back, right. and then they come out again. Even like, more bizarre. A, a a large sect of players running into the locker room, like to take shelter from the anthem, <laughs> seems to me like a bigger sort of distraction than just like standing there with a knee on the ground. I, I don't agree. know. That's just me. It's though. So weird. Yeah, facing the flag, hand over your heart, just kneeling on the ground. Like what? Uh, whatever. Okay, back to basketball, yeah. Melissa. No, it's my oh, turn wait, to no. ask. Never mind. <laughs> it's game seven. Man, such an such an easy segment that we consistently screw up it's, every single yeah, week. That's how we do it. Uh, it is game seven in the Western Conference tonight, Monday, May twenty eighth. It's in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are you pulling for, and who do you think the NBA wants, Houston or uh, Golden State? Um, I think I'm pulling for Golden State. I think the NBA is also pulling for Golden State. I think if the Celtics won. I would have, well, certainly if the Celtics won, I would have been rooting for Houston because I think they have a better chance of beating Houston. But I think if the Celtics won, the NBA would have also been okay with Houston getting there because you're just, you know, change it up. Like if you're going to have one team be different, you might as well have them both be different. Um, But now that LeBron's back in the finals, they're going to want to do the Golden State LeBron thing. We, we, a couple weeks ago, we looked at the ratings and how they're just like keep going up. Uh, We also were wrong in that the, uh, the Warriors have not, this would not be for the three-peat. It was Warriors, Cavs, Warriors. So this yeah. would be their second in a row if they won again. Whatever. Can't um, get them all right. And if the ca- and if the Cavs can somehow win, then you've got 2-2, two, two, and then you set up like a fifth final rubber match type thing. So I think that's what the NBA is pulling for. As bored of it as I personally am, I, th- I think that's where we're at. Yeah, I agree. I, and I also want, without Chris Paul, I don't think Houston can beat Cleveland. So I want the... I want Golden State to win because I want LeBron to lose again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Houston certainly seems more vulnerable. Yeah. All right. Formula One question. Yeah. Here's a first. Uh, <laughs> Australian <laughs> Formula One racer Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, sure. Ricciardo. Yeah. I'm gonna go soft C. Ricciardo. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Ricard. Ric- I don't know. Some guy from Australia. <laughs> yeah, some dude won uh, the Monaco Grand Prix this weekend. Uh, he had been blessed by Tom Brady before the race when Tom, standing on some sort of bay, threw a football on from land onto a boat that this Daniel Ricciardi guy was standing on. <laughs> and he actually made a pretty decent catch. Like, it was oh, impressive. He's standing on this boat. You Something know, Tom uneven, can't do, but okay. Uneven footing. Uh, and he reeled it in. It was a good moment for everybody there in Monaco. Uh, so does it annoy you that Brady is at this event schmoozing with, uh, with European, uh, uh, royalty? Uh, yes. Instead of running laps in the rain in right. Foxborough? Get out there. Yes. Yes, it does. Very much. I, I think this is the first off season where I have looked at Tom Brady, like everyone outside of New England looks at Tom Brady and thought to myself, shit, he is a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> what a douche. <laughs> And like, I, I, I understand why you hate him. I'm sorry. And I like want to apologize to people and be like, mm, he does win and I'm going to still cheer for him. But like, oof, I get it now. And that's, it's not a good look. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he seems to be, uh, no longer sort of like trying to keep his 
personal life like private and he's just yeah. letting it all hang out yeah. and it's like just you realize that nobody who has that much money, that much fame, that much success could be anything even close to a normal fucking human being. Right. And like he's, he's so just so proving it, proving it at every life level. Consists of and it's the most unrelatable thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> entire life. Like I related more to the royal wedding than uh, I do to Tom Brady's I could do a whole normal day to day life. The royal wedding, but yeah, it's brutal to watch. Um, let's move on from that and go back to basketball. Sure. Uh, LeBron James had a long embrace with Jason Tatum on the floor after game seven. He later said in his post game press conference that Tatum is quote built for stardom after his performance this postseason, is Jason Tatum untouchable by the Celtics? Um, I think he is and he should be. I, and that's a, re- a reversal from me. Uh, mid season. I was, I was down to package up some combination of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yeah for a more legit NBA superstar after this series. And specifically after that game, I'm not touching Jason Tatum. No way. Nice. I would agree. Um, okay. More basketball questions on the, here's an interesting one on the broadcast of game seven last night. Uh, Mark Jackson took note of the fact that Kyrie Irving wasn't on the bench. Uh, and he also said that Kyrie's input would be more valuable than that of any of Brad Stevens's assistant coaches. Uh, does it, does it bother you? Yeah. Which is sort of a shot at the yeah. assistant coaching staff. <laughs> it's a backhand um, compliment. More so than it, more so than a compliment to Kyrie. Yeah. Uh, so does it bother you that Kyrie wasn't there? Well, it bothers me in the sense of like, where was he? Uh, you know, because from what I've heard, they didn't show him at all. So was he up in one of the luxury boxes? Was he in a suite? Was he having a medical procedure done? Like, was there more work being done on his knee? I, I don't know. I'm just curious. Like what, you had a prior engagement. Like, I don't, I don't really understand where he was. And I do think like he could have been there. You know, I think Mark Jackson is overlooking the fact that people like Gordon Hayward and Shane Larkin were there. And we're probably offering some of that same insight and support, Mm -hmm. but what I would be curious to know what Kyrie was doing instead of being there on the bench. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like bothered by it, but like lowercase B I'm not like from like an X's and O's standpoint. I'm like, come on. Like, is there really something that Kyrie would see that like the combination of the entire team plus Gordon Hayward plus Brad Stevens, like wouldn't be able to see like, but I look at it from like, just kind of like a, motivational standpoint. I I think he can impart some wisdom onto the players, like not X's and O's strategy stuff, but just like he's been there. He's won a finals. Like he's hit the winning shot in finals as before. Like, and that's something that Gordon Hayward doesn't have. That's something that Al Horford doesn't have. Certainly not Brad Stevens. Like he is the most experienced and accomplished player on that whole roster injured or healthy. Um, So I think from that standpoint, it would have been nice to see him just like, you know, talking to the team, but I don't know. I'm not really overly bothered by it. I don't think that yeah. would make Terry We're Rozier go nine for ten yeah. from three. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like he's gonna. Like, Kyrie I wasn't gonna. I don't hit think the that's shots. gonna make shots going yeah. exactly. All right, last one. Uh, yep, I don't have it. <laughs> oh, well then I'll ask you. So uh, Danica Patrick retired from racing after the Indy 500 this weekend. She holds the records for she holds the record for highest place finish from a woman uh, at third place in the Indy 500. Question for you, Melissa, uh, female sport expert yes. on the yep. show. Do you think a woman will ever win the Indy 500? I do. I think it's bound to happen someday. They've actually had, I think, like something like ten women have started. Uh, Indy 500 hmm. races before Danica was not the first, which was surprising to me when I looked that up. Cause I just remember her being such a big deal. I assumed she must've been the first. 
Um, yeah. and, and so I do, I think it's one of those sports that like everyone has kind of an equal chance. A lot of barriers have been broken down in it to like make the competition a little more equal and get the women in there. Um, and I think it's probably the first sport that would see a female champion. I'm trying to think if there's anywhere else that, you know, women and men even compete together, but yeah, I'm just, exactly. I was just, yeah. just thinking the same thing. I, I think someday it it will happen. I don't know when, I don't know how soon, but someday it's bound to. Yeah. It's sneaky, uh, sneaky progressive yeah. sport when it comes to, thought? uh, integrating men and women. Yeah. Who would have thought Ma- fucking race? <laughs> Maybe someday there'll be a race that an Indy 500 that is more female competitors than male competitors. That would Whoa, be a big accomplishment. Crazy. That would be All a big right? accomplishment. Getting crazy. <laughs> The war on men will have been successfully won at that point. (laughs) Exactly. Then we'll have you right where we want you. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, on that note, I think that'll basically do it. Rest in peace to the Celtics. Uh, Um, Get ready for a lot of boring baseball talk, (laughs) folks. Here it comes. Crack open a nice uh, lemonade, sit on the porch, (laughs) and listen to the old ball game. Sweet crack of the bat. Yeah, and, you know, don't forget to do all those normal things that we tell yeah. you to do every week, like follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, all at TattletownCast. Yeah. Hit us up on iTunes for a rating or a comment if you're feeling frisky. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, we'll see you next week. All right, bye. Later. Later.